Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Got a cool one for you today. Dave and Shane from Razor Broadheads came down and visited with me. Ah, it's been a couple months ago. I've kind of had this one in my back pocket for uh, a little bit now. But we sat down and we talked about all things Broadheads. And I know a lot of you guys are really into that kind of thing. And I am as well. There's a lot of cool information. Razor Broadheads is a company that started uh, real recently. Uh, last year was the first year I used their, their heads. I killed my Indiana buck and my Ohio buck with the head, and I was really, really satisfied with them. They're a really good option if you're looking for a single bevel, heavier point quality head. And they were kind enough to give everybody that's listening to the show an 10% discount by using the code before the echo at checkout. So that's a great deal for you guys. It helps me out and also gives you guys a little bit of a discount on some, some really quality broadheads. So visit their website. It's all in the description of this podcast. I don't think you guys will regret using uh, their heads. Great group of guys with a really good product as well. Before we get into the episode, I got to thank some of my partners. Exodus has something cool going on. It's their eighth year anniversary, which is one of their biggest sales of the year. So starting today, May 19th, or anytime after May 19th, up until June 12th, or while supplies last, you can save 25% off their entire Exodus website. And they're doing something real cool for Before the Echo listeners. You guys use the code BTE at checkout. You get to save that 25% off. I've also left a link in the description. You guys just use that link. It'll automatically uh, go to their website, and that BTE code will automatically be put into your cart. So when you check out, you'll get that 25% discount. That's right, 25% off. That includes the Exodus Render, the the brand-new Rival, which I got a a handful of those now. I'm going to get them out and start using them. I heard some really, really good positive feedback on that the new camera they have out, any of their arrows, merch, anything site wide, you get their five year no BS warranty. Um, some of the best customer service in the industry, as well as just a great group of guys that uh, you can you can put your your trust in as far as cameras go. Pretty cool guys. If you haven't checked out Exodus, get on their website exodusoutdoorgear.com and use the code BTE to save 25% off. Also, I want to give a shout-out to Osseo Gear. It's a, a great option for white to hunters. They've developed a premium line of bow hunting gear that will rival any other clothing on the market in quality. Plus, you've got a lifetime warranty on anything you buy from Osseo. They have a super unique camo pattern and great technology in their garments to keep you comfortable on the stand. Just go to asiogear.com get you some premium hunting clothing plus joe and those guys are are also great guys also gotta thank hunting beast gear makers of the best mobile stick and stand on the market in my opinion there's no other stand that gives you the weight to room ratio as the beast stand does and anybody that, that tries one out seems like they're extremely happy with it also, their stick is known as the, the best on the market. It also was kind of the trailblazer in the mobile hunting industry, one of the first truly mobile sticks on, on the market. If you guys haven't 
got your hands on hunting beast gear, you have to come to one of the shows, get your hands on it, borrow a buddy's, try it out. Then visit huntingbeastgear.com and get you a beast stand and sticks. And finally, I got to thank Stealth Outdoors, maker of stealth strips. I put that on everything. Um, I just put it on some ladder stands I got out uh, the other day just to quiet them up a, a little bit. I You can u- literally use it on any of your equipment. It really is something that hunters that want to take their gear to the next level should invest in and get you some, some stealth strips and silence your gear. Visit stealthoutdoors.com and get some stealth strips. Links to all my partners are in the description below. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Um, kind of got a special guest on the, on the show, the guys from Razor uh, Broadheads. It's a product I use this year. And actually, honestly, one of the biggest questions we get asked is gear and stuff and, um, you know, what broadheads we shoot, how heavy are arrows and what arrows are we shooting and all that stuff. So um, it's kind of nice to have you guys on so you can answer that <laughs> for me instead of me having to uh, explain everything. Um, but I was going to, before we kind of get rolling, you guys are from Michigan. You're kind of a, a newer Michigan broadhead company. And I was going to have you just kind of introduce you, you, yourself um, and then kind of why you guys decided to start a, a broadhead company. Yeah, well, uh, my name is Shane and uh, this is Dave and we've um, been friends for a while and started talking bow hunting and broadheads and uh next thing you know we started a broadhead company it was crazy (laughs) (laughs) it was that simple and here we are (laughs) no there's a lot more to it and i'll I'll have dave kind of give the background of it and okay i'll fill it in but yeah so shane and i've been friends for a lot of years and and we do share a lot in common um we go to church together Mm -hmm. um obviously our love for the outdoors our family we just have a lot of things in common and uh, we were just talking one day, and there's a lot of other good uh, broadhead manufacturers out there. I'm not going to talk down about any of them because there's a lot of good ones out there. Yeah, for sure. But there's different pieces of ones that I like better than others. Um, they all have some positives. They all have some disadvantages in our minds for what, what we would like to shoot. So we get to talking. Shane has a manufacturing background. Um, about, hey, how can we take all the best of both the worlds of all these broadheads that we like and kind of combine them into one? Yeah. Um, so that was a journey that started about four years ago with some prototypes before we actually launched the business. And, um, yeah, this upcoming year will be our second full year, you know, with the company yep. actually on the market. And uh, it's been going well. So it's it's something that we just really enjoy doing, to be honest with you. Yeah, cool. So this this was your first hunting season kind of selling the product. Yeah. Yes. And then – this will be your second. I got gotcha. you. Um, so what's different about you? Like, okay, you, you mentioned you, like, you had all these qualities you liked in a broadhead, but there wasn't a broadhead that was, you know, in your mind the perfect one. So yep. what was your guys' uh, vision or what makes your guys' broadhead different? Yeah, it's a great question. So a lot of it's either they weren't in the weights that we liked, um, they weren't quite durable for us enough, um, or they didn't have the, quite the cutting diameter mm-hmm. that we liked. A lot of fixed uh, blade broadheads on the market, which ours obviously are, mm-hmm. um, you see a lot of like inch and an eighth, maybe inch and a quarter, but yep. most of them are inch and eighth inch broadheads. Mm-hmm. And the main reason for that is because to get those wider 
cut heads, you're going to be sacrificing something. Yeah. Right? Like you're going to have to get a thinner blade to maintain mm. your weight tolerances to have that wide of a cut. So the main way we're able to get around that, particularly with our 200-gram broadhead, is a titanium ferrule, mm-hmm. which is much lighter than steel. Mm-hmm. So it's expensive. Mm-hmm. I ain't going to lie to you from a manufacturing right. standpoint to use titanium, but we're able to save weight on the ferrule to then get a, a wider cutting head, and that's that's the main thing that we did different. Yep. And then something else that's you that's unique about your guys' head, and I for everybody at home, I shot my Ohio buck, my Indiana buck with their broadheads, the Razor broadheads. Um, it's, I don't know, and I could be wrong, but, uh, outside of like an aluminum ferrule broadhead, I don't think there's any other like, uh, changeable blade broadhead, um, that isn't aluminum ferrule, is there? That, that's single bevel, sorry, that's single bevel. That's my knowledge. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that there is. Yeah, um, I thought that was, that's unique. Yeah. Um, and then, man, I shot... I shot a two hundred your two hundred grain broadhead with my Indiana buck, uh, with my longbow, and it was, I mean, I've shot a bunch of single bevel heads in the past when they've always been that really thin or really small cutting diameter, um, and I've always had like I've always thought the blood trails could have been better, you know, mm. with those those certain broadheads. And when I shot shot that deer with yours, it's the best blood trail I've ever had, um, period. And that's like shooting rage back in the day. And like, I couldn't believe how much blood was everywhere from, from go, like mm-hmm. from when the arrow, uh, went through it to, you know, the buck was dead. Um, I can't show you that stuff on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> get demonetized, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's cool. Um, it's cool that you guys decided to start a, like a, a broadhead company. It takes, <laughs> takes, it takes a lot of, a lot of work. Well, um, and I, tr- I truly believe if you hit them in the right spot, I, yeah. I mean, I think a field tip, honestly, could kill a deer, yeah. right, if you him in the right spot. Mm-hmm. But a fixed blade broadhead, in particular, even a wider cuttering one like we offer, it's just going to make, if that shot isn't quite where you want it to go or the animal moves, um, or even if you hit him right in the boiler room, it's going to obviously make the recovery much shorter right. for both yourself and the animal. Right. Okay, so let's go back to the, the broadhead a little bit because yeah. I think all your guys' heads are uh, – made up the same materials and everything correct yep so we'll start we'll start with that like what what is your guys's broadheads made out of from blade to, to ferrule okay Jane. yeah so the blade itself is a2 steel okay the ferrules are we have two different ferrules we have the stainless steel and we have the titanium mm-hmm. that we're talking about and the screws are stainless okay um back to the that that was a really hard puzzle to solve was to get the weight and the width of these broadheads and that's where <clears throat> us collaborating together it was it wasn't easy because yeah. broadhead companies all over are trying to do that and mm-hmm. to solve that with a titanium ferrule to get that and then to you get them to fly straight to have them mm-hmm. balanced we have the the screws that are opposing double locking mm-hmm. uh not only does that help for you know they're they're a lot stronger and and locked in there better but <clears throat> the balance there the heads are different on those screws they weigh different than the body oh so what you yeah so if you have like a single one a single screw that's not as balanced as having two screws opposing each other oh i never thought about that i just assumed it was the butt head top's going to be heavier than the shaft portion yeah but when they're opposing it's be perfectly balanced so we figured that in as part of the that's all part of the you know flight and everything we want these things to be to be perfect so i never thought about that yeah so we even in our um 
our processes. So when we go from, you're talking about the blade to the ferrule to the screws all the way through, I'll back it up a little bit more. We have our team that we have together mm -hmm. has over a hundred hours or a hundred hours, hundred years of expertise in these different areas from our design guys uh, to our processes guys to um, fabrication, fabrication, you're going to keep going all the, all the way it. through. Uh, these guys have been in that industry and where we're at, where we're located, we're in Grand Rapids in West Michigan. Mm -hmm. It is really, and not everybody knows this, but it is the manufacturing capital of yeah. the, the United States. It started in Detroit, obviously, with the automotive. Grand Rapids picked up the tool and die and the mold side of it. And we have, it's it's almost laughable because we have like a CNC in every barn, you know, shop in, in yeah. Grand Rapids. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's, that's a world where we know metal. We know manufacturing. So Dave and I were talking about it, and... We're bow hunters, but we're also we've been in the metal world, so we can bring our knowledge uh, to the to the broadheads and uh, create what we believe is you know a a great broadhead. And yeah. so in that process, back to the process part of it, one of the things that's unique besides the opposing uh, head screws that are locked in there, we have this we call it a H lock. It's on the back of the blade. Yeah, that also locks the the ferrule in. Yep. Um, and then people talk about toughness and they talk about how how tough is the blade how easy is it to sharpen how hard is it to sharpen what do you got going on there with that with that blade and mm -hmm. so we settled after a lot of testing on <clears throat> what we call 58 Rockwell industry and so that's the hardness of the the blade yeah but what we did above and beyond that is we have a process in our heat treat process that we do that makes it 58 Rockwell throughout the whole blade. Hmm. So our blades, if you test it at any different spot, they're 58 everywhere, all the way down that blade. There's not spots in there as 57, 56, or whatever. They're 58. So when you get one of our blades, you can be sure that it's 58 all the way through. Okay. Now, what does that do for you? We talk about what is it, you, you know, having a blade a little bit softer, well, then it's not as tough. You know, if we drop the rock well down, if we go too high with the rock well, then it becomes brittle. So yeah. we had to find that sweet spot. And with our blades, that's what we found was 58. So hmm. those are some things that make our blades unique. Um, but yeah, the the, uh, the years and the behind all of this that came up and built yeah, this up. So it's not like we just went out there and said, oh, we want to, you know, I said that at the beginning, you know, we just want yeah, to create right. a broadhead company. Right. We put a lot of time into this. And so. it sounds like you have you have a background in, in manufacturing. Yes, then. I do. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that seems like a common denominator yeah. for, like, Dan. Yeah, know, he's, right. a, he's a CNC machinist, yes. uh, prototype maker, you know. Like, <laughs> yes. Perfect job for someone. That yeah, he knows design. the world. I, I know his world. He knows yeah. my world. That's the, <laughs> the yeah. one we're in, so. Yeah, that's cool. And then products you guys offer or are going to offer this year, what all do you guys have? Uh, available for anybody yep so we're gonna have the same weights that we did last year so 150 grain mm -hmm. 200 grain and 250 grain but the big difference this year shane how many requests a week do we get for left double broad <laughs> a lot really <laughs> we get uh we get uh, uh messages on instagram on facebook all the time saying hey we want that that uh left hand bevel so yeah that is going to be something that you will have this year <laughs> we promise <laughs> i that's what i shot uh, when i started like shooting uh okay, okay 
so we should probably back up because um, left bevel, right bevel. How does someone? How does a guy decide if they're going to buy which one and all that stuff? So it's really as a matter of which way the arrow is going to twist. Obviously, once mm-hmm. it hits the animal. So this is kind of debatable because a lot of people will tell you with a compound bow, it yep. carries so much energy already that whether your fletchings are clocked to the right or to the left, if your broadhead doesn't match. Some people will say it, it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. but I'm of the opinion that you might as well take advantage of much energy efficiency as you can. Yeah. So if your arrow naturally wants to go to the right, I think you shoot a right-handed bevel broadhead and vice versa yep. on the left. With so, your fletchings. Offset with your fletchings. Yep. Right. Yeah. So whether you want to bear shaft tune that or you want to do it actually with the fletchings, however, um, they should be aligned. You're going to get the best, obviously, yeah. efficiency, uh, energy, kinetic energy-wise that way. Yeah. Okay, so stop right there. Now. Sure. So if a guy wants to figure that out, how do you do it? So like, mm-hmm. you know, I know, but can you tell everybody else how your arrow clocks? Yeah. So I think the easiest way to do it is you take a Sharpie and this is a bare shafted arrow uh-huh. and you just make a straight line on top of your arrow and you stand literally a few feet away from a target is all mm-hmm. and you shoot that arrow into the target and then you go look at it and it's either going to be to the right of that point you made the, um, the mark or yep. to the left. And yep. that is the way your arrow naturally wants to clock. Right. So if so if your if your line is to the right, your arrow's clocking Correct. to the right when it. Yep. And then if that's going right, you want to order right bevel yep. from you guys. So okay. again, traditional bow hunters, especially, mm-hmm. I think it's important. You know, mm-hmm. you you obviously know this that you want to line those up. Yeah. Um. And again, I've heard it debated both ways. Again, with yeah. a compound, there's so much energy there already. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I'd prefer it to match myself. Yeah. So going back to the offering, so yes, we'll have a plethora of left bevel broadheads available this year. Um, Another thing that's been like an issue for me with uh, certain broadheads is uh, rust. Mm. How how prone uh, is rust to your your head? Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, going back to the steel, so Uh it's an A2 tool steel. Mm -hmm. It's two steel is what we use, which there is a chromium component to it. Um, it's not enough to be considered stainless, um, but it's going to be a lot more rust resistant to say what a, a regular carbon-based steel would be. Yeah. yeah. So I would say it's um, <laughs> would be the best word for it, semi-rust proof, I guess. Yeah, rust yeah. resistant. Rust, rust resistant. resistant. Yeah, yeah like, it's, yeah. Yeah. like water resistant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Clothing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they <clears throat> guys do different things with them. You know, yeah. I've, I've seen guys. At the end of the season, dip them in vegetable oil just yeah, to keep them or something. Just to, yeah, it's just something to, to do that, you know. Um, but yeah, they they're the the blade itself. Yeah, it it can rust. It's, it's what uh what do you guys recommend? Like if you do get a little rust on them, like what do you how do you get it off, or what do you have to do there? Yeah, I would say so in the off season in particular, you could store them. Yeah, right in a particular place that's gonna prevent that because yeah. the the humidity and the hot and the cold. Right. Um. But honestly, if you just do a quick little strap on them, okay. that'll, depending how bad it is, that'll take care of it. Yeah. Asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, well, the, head, the head I shot in Ohio got neglected uh, uh, after I shot that one. I looked out there and like, oh, man, I got it rusty now. Well, don't tell, my fault. Don't tell anybody, but I can actually put it back through our processes at the, at the shop. And it'll come out, <laughs> it'll come looking, out looking brand, brand new. new. Yeah, so that's just, good to know. Yep. Throw a little sandblast down there. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I <clears> – <throat> I may do that for mine. <laughs> yeah. 
No, that's the only one I had rust on. It's because I, it pour, I don't know if you watched the show, but it freaking poured on me the whole yeah. time I was there. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, the ones in my quiver dried out and everything yeah. fine. But that one I just like threw in the back of the truck on the way home. And then, um, then I just laid in my shop, you know, and, uh, yeah, I looked at their day like, oh man, I should have taken care of that a little better. That might be past dropping. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah. No, I'll, it's fine. I just, uh, it's something that you have to deal with, though. Yeah. I mean, um, because a lot of the, I mean, for lack of a better word, cheapo broadheads, mm-hmm. uh, not that, you know, $40 is cheap, uh, but it's like, you know, they're aluminum, they don't rust, yeah. so people have to be aware of that whenever you, you're shooting a different type of broadhead or if you're going to get into that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's something, uh, you know, I was shooting a particular head a couple years ago. Is there, um, I'm not good with what kind of metals it was, but man, they, they rusted like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you got, you know, some, in a um, traditional bow quiver with the foam inside of it, you know, got a little water in there and all of them just rusted, um, bad, but it's not, not their fault, my fault, you know. All right. So obviously your guys's systems or your, your heads you've developed, um, are going to kind of lean towards more of that heavier point weight mm-hmm. bow hunter, um. Can we get into that a little bit? I know that can be like a, I mean, people are going to comment on this. Sure. That. Um, what I got in your guys' opinion, like what are some of the benefits of shooting a 150 or 200 grains up front or um, even 250, you know, you mm-hmm. have that, that offering as well. Yeah. Is your 250 and 200 the same cutting diameter? Same cutting. Okay. It's actually the exact same broadhead. The only difference is the ferrule. We go from a titanium in the 200 grain okay. to a stainless steel gotcha. in the 250. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And that's a, it's a, the way the math worked out is pretty crazy, but it's an exact 50 grain difference. We don't have to change two. a thing. Really? Yeah. It's nice. <laughs> how many prototypes, before we get into the heavy thing, how many prototypes did you guys have to develop before uh, you? Came? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. They're the most expensive, right? Because you put all your money in those yeah. first, however many, half a dozen, dozen, uh, those are worth a lot. <laughs> yeah. Because that's where all the money went. Yeah. After that, you. <laughs> oh, people don't realize, like Dan's, that beast stand. Mm-hmm. Dan said he had, like, he made 70 different prototypes of that thing before wow. he figured it out. I don't think he cares me telling people that, but, but that's that's but, insane. Oh, to I think about it. how much money mm-hmm. he, you know, they, him and Mario, and you know, pumped into trying to get that thing perfect for everybody. Yeah. And we've uh, got some uh, some friends in the industry, especially with Shane's contacts, so we didn't have to put as much upfront cost into it. Yeah. But even just to do a prototype, they charge you an arm and a leg just yeah. to get that initial design out, and you're not even sure if you're going to move forward with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Dan said they had, and they had like one stand. At one point in time, that he just loved, it was super light. You know, it's lighter than what it is now. But he said the price of manufacturing it was, you know, he's like, then it was like it was so high he couldn't justify, you know, offering that to the public because mm. it'd be twice as much as what it already is, you mm-hmm. know. And so then it's like you start the process over again to try to now you're trying to make you make it something perfect. Now we got to make it figure out a way to make it afford or, or you know, you know, in a price range people are gonna buy it. Well, we we. You know, that's a, we get that question. Yeah. We have customers say, oh, man, this they're, they're kind of expensive. Yeah, you know? what's what, what's your retail on it? Uh, they're $94 yep. for a three-pack, yeah. Okay. So, but a couple things. We're, we're 100% made in the United States. Yep. So there's nothing. We don't buy anything out of country. We don't have anything assembled out of country. Everything is done here. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but every broadhead that comes through, Dave or I touch. Okay. So the owners touch every, in fact, we touch all of them. So mm-hmm. there, there isn't anything that, when you get that package, you know that we've touched those. We've, they've gone through our inspection. We've everything. So 
because of that, and because we have to stay with steel in the United States and everything in the United yeah. States, that drives our costs up. Yeah, and sure. One of the things that we're doing this year, our costs have gone up, mm-hmm. but we're holding our price. Mm-hmm. So for this year, for 2023, we're staying the whole year at the same prices, even though with the inflation you see out there, that affects us. Yeah, it affects oh, yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to hold that. So, you know, when <clears throat> when you actually break down our costs on yeah. it, you know, uh, right. Yeah, we, we're, we, neither one of us have quit our day jobs yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> someone, uh, someone commented on a, uh, what were we talking? Oh, I, sh- I posted a video about a boat we were talking about. And, and someone commented about uh, essentially all these bow manufacturers. Um, the reason the prices have went up is because they're paying all their pro staffs or whatever. They were taking a shot at me because I got oh. a free bow from a you know, sure. prime archery. Mm. And uh, they were... Uh, and I'm like, I got to think, I'm like, I don't know if it has though. Like every, like, if you probably look at the inflation or the, you know, price increase of everything, it's probably, that's probably how much a bow has increased too over the years, you know? Oh yeah. Um, well, I don't know. It's just interesting how everything's expensive <laughs> now, you know? And I'll be honest with you, like the high end stuff, high end broadheads, like there's manufacturers that are more expensive than you guys. Yeah. You there know? are some out there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it, it, you know, the world I came from and, and, and Dave too, just to talk about a little bit of history, I came from shooting expandables, yeah. and I, I've done everything, right? Same. But I was one of those guys that I go into the store, pick up a, a yeah. pack, a three-pack or yeah. whatever, screw them on, yeah. shoot them a couple times. Oh, yeah, we're good, or yeah. I use their practice, and I do that. And so this world and exploring this world and having Dave open this up to me has been amazing. And it goes yeah. back to what you were saying with the – you know the, shooting the heavier weights and people asking mm-hmm. that. But um, with this this head, we have set it up in such a way that, um, you know, a lot of those ones that I shot in the past, I won't name any names, but I'd shoot them once and I, I got to throw them away, right? Yeah. So yeah. we actually, we've made these in a way that, I mean, if a guy doesn't lose them, yeah. you can resharpen them, oh, resharpen yeah, yeah, them yeah, free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We kind of... You know, you can almost make something <laughs> right. so well that you're like, am I going to sell some more right. of these? <laughs> It'll last forever as long as you don't. Uh, do you guys offer a, a warranty? No, we no. don't really have a... A yeah. manufacturer defects. Yeah, 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 of course. The, if we do, yeah. but not like, yeah. Right, I didn't know. If, if you, you shoot 100 animals with it, and you're like, and then you hit a rock and you say... Right, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, if there's sure. a manufacturer defect, 100% sure that's yeah. on us. We haven't yeah. had to do any of those yet, Right. but we would, mm-hmm. certainly. Yeah. One one thing on that price, I just want to go back to that, so... You shot a lot of expandables and stuff in the past, too, sounds like. Oh, when I was young, that's all I shot. Yeah. 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 They sell replacement blades and stuff for yeah. them, right? But you, you put a couple of those together, and you're like, I'm, I was yeah. buying a new pack every time, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So I know that price, we're not even the most expensive ones out there no, for those right. initial close $100 costs, right? But like Shane said, you just resharpen those suckers. The the one that's on my number one ear right now has killed seven deer. Yeah. Sam Broadhead. Yeah. And I'm going to keep using it until I lose it or something happens mm-hmm. to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but so when you think about it from that perspective, it's actually cheaper than those mechanicals. Yeah. Any fixed it, blade, not even razors. I mean, any right. fixed blade. Mm-hmm. Right. And, man, I was – I was. Uh, my dad recently got back into compound bow hunting. Mm-hmm. He, he got a crossbow once. Um, it became legal here in Indiana, and this year he got a compound for this coming season. And – we always, when I was younger, man, I remember, do you guys remember the punch cutter broadheads? <laughs> That's what I shot my first, I, when I was 11, I shot a doe with a punch cutter broadhead. I don't know how much weight I was pulling. It couldn't have been any weight at all, <laughs> you know. Um, 
but we shot mechanicals since then. Like when mechanicals weren't cool, like mm-hmm. we were shooting them then. Uh, and my dad, we were talking about the day, like like back then in the '90s, the information. You know, he didn't. He knew how to set his bow up, but he didn't really know what he was tuning or anything. You know, he'd throw a rest on and all that. And but and so he just shot mechanicals because he always was like, I had such a hard time getting my fixed blades to fly. You mm-hmm. know, I you know. Um, well, he said we set up a compound for him this year, and he was asking me like, what should I shoot? And I said I. I honestly nowadays with so there's such uh, good options on the market now for mecha- for fixed blades. It's like I don't know I don't really know why you wouldn't anymore. It's just so, you know, like your guys's heads and you know, you know like you said, there's a lot of good ones out oh, there. Oh yeah, that are quality. Yeah, I, and I don't think razor broad heads are the end all be all, mm-hmm. right? Do I think we have a great head and offer some great advantages over some competitors? Of course, yeah. or else you wouldn't be doing this, mm-hmm. right? Right. But for any of the listeners out there considering going to a fixed blade broadhead, um, you hear stories about this, but until until you see it, is when it really hits home. And I'd love for you to tell the story of your deer for this from this year. But um, yeah. the deer don't even know they've been shot. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe they they hear a noise and they react to it and they take a couple bounds, but it zips through them so fast. Yeah. There's not that energy that expands to have the blades opening. Right. And I, th- I really like think, I, I think that's what makes them wheel kick and run off, right? Because yeah. they, they feel that. Yeah. Where a fixed blade is just like butter. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times since I've been shooting these that they just stand there, kind of look around confused and tip over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I could see that for sure. That, that deer I shot in Indiana, it didn't, it didn't go, whatever, it ran 50 yards out in the field and died. Yep. Hit it. Um, and, you know, I'll be honest with you, where I found it was, like, right out in front of my tree stand. I didn't see the thing go tip over. Like, I, it it ran down the tree line, and it must have hooked up out in front of me. And I was, like, looking down the tree line looking for it. I never saw it tip over. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to have been able to see it from the tree stand. But I was so focused. I thought it was going to go into the tree line and go in. You know, they usually run in the woods. You know, they don't really run out in the field. And that's what he did. And I wonder if that's what it was, if he was just, like, in the field, like, what the heck happened, you know? Well, I remember that video, though. That was a pretty thick, brushy area, so I could see how you yeah. lost visual of him pretty yeah. quickly, though. Um, but, he, like, he died. He just J-hooked out mm-hmm. in front of me. Like, I should have been able to see him, but I just was – I must have been looking. I, I, you know, I don't really remember, but I must have been looking into the, the little patch of woods looking for him, and he died right in front of me. Yep. Um, but the, the blood trail was – like I said, it was devastating. Um. Tell them about yours real quick. Yeah, so year. the the buck I shot in uh, Kansas this year, my the last kill I had. Yeah, um, rattled it in. He came in and uh, he wasn't sh- too sure about what was going on, so he was walking away, and I got the grunt tube out and you know, yeah. one and he looked and he's like, Nah, I'm not, I'm not buying it. So he he walks and he's probably 60, 70 yards away. Hit him again, and this time he was like. Okay, turns around, ears pinned back, and he yeah. just starts walking. I'm like, all right, here we go, game on. And uh, he came in, and there was a in this field, there was a telephone pole, and they uh-huh. they've been rubbing this pole. So he goes right over that. He just marches right over there, and he rubs one side of it like this. And as soon as he put his head on the other side to rub the other side, I drew back on him, and he brought his head back around. He had no idea, and I let it fly. 21 yard shot. He took two bounds after I shot. I saw the arrow, and it was cool because I saw it. It went in horizontal. I saw the first split horizontal. I'm like, yeah. oh, and it was a double lung. Took two bounds right back to my tree stand. He's standing below me, and he looks back at the telephone pole, and he's just <laughs> staring at it like this. And I counted. I started counting. And I got to five seconds, and he just went, 
Oh, and man. the crazy part was, is that as he's there, he has no idea. And I'm seeing the entrance side, so it's up higher, right? Yeah. And it is just, it's just pouring out of the, so I'm thinking the exit side's got to, I can't see the exit side, yeah. he's right here. Mm-hmm. But he's looking back like, what happened? No yeah. idea. So th- the blood trail, the trailing of it, it's right there. Right. You know? And right. I, <laughs> that's the, the, you know, the fixed blades. But ethically, you know, yeah. that's the way you want to harvest an animal right oh, there. Oh, yeah. That'd you be never perfect. knew what happened. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Uh, and that's essentially what happened to, to me too. I mean, he, Jay hooked right back to right in front of me. You know? uh, um, all right. Heavy, <laughs> heavy arrows. We'll get back on that. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> um, so what, what are you guys, I get, you know, I, my arrow weights probably, uh, about 500 grains. And I was shooting your guys' 150 out of my compound. Now my longbow is like 650. It's mm-hmm. pretty heavy. Um, what are, I mean, what and, and a lot of people like that's, you know, talk people talk about the ranch fairing stuff. You know, you're they're they're getting up to that, you know, 700, 750 grain uh, heads sometimes, or not heads, but arrow total arrow yep. weight. What are your guys' like? What are your guys' setups? Like, how heavy is all that stuff? Whenever you're running a two hundred <laughs> grain head up front. Well, it wouldn't matter what I shot. I'm going to shoot a heavy you arrow. Pro- you probably have hard cause... time getting spined right. <laughs> well. I'm six foot eight. Yeah. I know you can't tell in the video. No, you're tall. So yeah. I shoot a I shoot a full length arrow shaft, uh-huh. like it's not cut at all. Yeah. So my arrow already runs about six hundred grains, just with a normal broadhead on it before yeah. I put a heavy. Yeah. But uh, I personally shoot our two hundred grains. Mm-hmm. Some about seven hundred is my setup. Yeah. Yeah, but who cares? You're probably yeah. pumping out so much speed and, and yep. energy because my draw length is thirty three inches. Yeah. So. What bow do you shoot? <laughs> <laughs> I shoot a Hoyt Double XL. Okay, right I, think, now. I was thinking that you're probably going to shoot some kind of competition bow. Yep. A, yeah, that kind of sucks. Honestly. Yeah, because there there's a ton of good bow manufacturers out there, but yeah. I'm very limited in the ones that can yeah. only offer it in a draw link for me. So yeah, I think maybe PSC makes a longer one that goes up real high. Do they? Um, I think Tim Tim Gillingham, the guy that owns Gold Tip or runs Gold Tip. He's a real big guy, real tall guy. And okay. He also like I think dabbles in PSE stuff, and I okay. think kind of made him one to fit oh. him because he's like you, like thirty three inch draw. <laughs> yeah, I think Matthews has one too that they offered. I'm not sure if it's still available in that draw length as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, mine's still shooting fine, so I'll just stick with yeah. it for a bit. Right. Yeah. Probably wouldn't. Well, I don't know. Thirty three inches is long. It's pretty long. Um. So but you're, answer, you're anomaly though. Yeah, I'm yeah. a little bit anomaly. I'm yeah. a little bit anomaly. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm shooting out of my comp, but I'm shooting 550. Okay, so, so that's with, about where I'm at with the 200 though. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. Do you run a brass insert or anything no. inside? Just a just a put right on aluminum. Yep. Um, see, that's not too bad. No, that's not overly heavy. I mean, you probably aren't going to see a difference until you hit that 40 yards yeah, or more probably, with that yeah. weight. Which yeah. I wouldn't shoot past that personally for me with a compound, anyways. Yeah. But yeah, like so you're. You shoot a heavier setup, you're getting a ton of advantage from uh, energy-wise, from punching power. Yeah. Because, again, you say, hey, what broadhead should I shoot? Well, where are you going to hit the animal? Right? right. That's kind of the next question, and we never know that. We think we know, Yeah. but we don't know. So whether they move or we make a bad shot, I think having that extra uh, ace in your pocket of yeah. having the extra punching power if it hits the shoulder mm-hmm. with a fixed-blade broadhead with a heavier setup just offers enough advantages that – even if your pin gaps might be a little bit wider between, I think it's still, in my opinion, worth it. Yeah. Um, something that something else that's unique about yours is, though, like a lot of people would um, – okay, 
advantage of shooting expandable, you know, you got this big old cutting thing, you know, all that kind of stuff. But with your guys' head, like, it's pretty big, too. Like, it's yeah. pretty wide. Um, and that's what I, I, yeah, I was, they were talking me into trying to shoot the 200 grain head when I got <laughs> here because I shoot the 150 through my compound. And uh, you're like, you got to try the, the 250. I just didn't shoot it because I'm like, I don't know if it'll fly good out of it. But you guys don't have any problems with that, it doesn't sound like. So, so one of the reasons why I shot mechanicals back in the day is mm-hmm. because, I'll be honest with you, I was lazy. Yeah. I wanted to target practice my bow all summer. Yeah. And then the night before hunting season, I wanted to screw in my mechanicals because I knew they were going to fly the same. Yep. Shooting fixed blade broadheads for me personally has made me a better hunter because it's forced me to tune my bow yeah. to make sure that arrow is going to fly out of there true. Um, so it's made me personally a, a better hunter and a better archer overall shooting fixed plates because it's forced me to do that right. whereas otherwise i probably wouldn't have right i will say this though like your guys's uh you know your guys's product is very high quality and that helps a lot like just having a consistent and a high quality broadhead because if there's going to be even just a just a minute amount of difference in a head from one to the other you know and i'll just we bash this company all the time, so I don't really care too. But like back in the day, dude, we I shot muzzies like it was it was awesome. You know, I, I never had much problems with it. And then like over time, it just seemed like the quality of them became a problem. And then you'd buy a pack of six, and like maybe a few of them would be straight, or or you had to be bending them on the freaking table and stuff to get them right. And it just it was a you know a huge pain. So buying a little more high quality head like what you guys offer and a few other companies like that's, it saves actually a little bit of time sometimes. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, you know, in your, in your, your offering. Um, do you agree with that though, Josh? Like it almost forces you to become oh, a yeah, better you archer. Have have your, your stuff tuned and, and yep. know what you're doing. Um, cause if you're, yeah. if you're even bare shaft tuning, yeah. Right. By the time you throw some fletchings on there, even if you're shooting a fixed blade, yeah, that baby's going to be true. Yeah. Yeah. As long as the, the, the broadhead straight and yeah bent of or course yes crazy. right um yeah it is and i i think a lot of people would be surprised at if you could just just spend like one season trying to learn that stuff how it's not that hard you know um people get in- intimidated by it um and if, even if you don't have a bow press you can still do things to you know to tune your your setup how do yeah, you get, even just moving that rest around a little bit yeah. is something mm-hmm. anybody could do, like you said, without a, without a bow yeah. press. And that yeah. fixes a lot of tuning problems just right there. Yeah, and now if your bow's out of time or stuff like that, then you're going to have to dig yep. into a, a, a bow press. But, man, I, I got I have an easy press now. But for a long time, man, I just had one of those uh, portable ones I used. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it worked fine. Yep. You know, it's a little bit sketchy sometimes, <laughs> but it, it's fine. So And they're like 40 bucks or something like that. And that's so. enough to just put a like twist in the string or something if necessary yeah. mm-hmm. yep. i mean you can technically take a bow down with one if you wanted to but i never never did mm-hmm. but you can put a peep in and all that stuff with it take a you know take yeah take a cable off and a yoke or whatever and tune that way but um i'm the a bow press is definitely a better uh tool for that but i still have it i have i keep it in my bow case in case something would happen when i'm on you know a hunt yeah. or something. oh yeah yeah, if you're out traveling, um, got it. I wish I could remember the name of that thing. <laughs> um, it works. It works really good though. Now, certain bows, you know, with the limb configuration, you gotta make sure you have the right right uh, model for it. But it's 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 a pretty nice nice thing to have. Um, never had to use it on an out of state hunt, but 
Yeah, if we did, I'd be probably out of luck <laughs> yeah. with that, too, because I know enough to be dangerous, yeah. but I'm definitely not a bow mechanic, and I don't have yep. a bow press. Yeah, I have, if I, I were out of state, I'd, I'd be out of luck. Yeah, I have a buddy that lives down the road. He shoots ASA, mm-hmm. um, and he's kind of taught me everything I need to know. Mm-hmm. you know. And if I get in over my head, I just take it down to him. Mm-hmm. Like I was just telling him, i got to take a bow apart and put new limbs on it, and I'll probably go over to his house and let him show me how to do it. But... Um, yeah, I just was curious on what you guys considered heavy or, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I, I know Dan's talked this year about trying to make some changes and I don't know exactly what he's thinking, but, <laughs> uh, after his, his rough year, he was talking about doing some arrow, arrow changes. Um, I think it's all personal preference. Yeah. I, I don't, I really don't think there's a magic number out there. Yeah. I think it's whatever works best for you, but I would say people that are opposed to the heavier ones yeah it's almost like you must gotta try it and see it for yourselves because mm-hmm. you, you try to describe it and some of the stories Shane and i both shared maybe kind of get that picture across yeah but obviously it's gonna be much more impactful if you were to see it for yourself and yeah. i'm not and i'm not saying that when i used to shoot mechanicals i didn't ever have those instances yeah. where they stood there right. and dropped because i did yeah but with these it's like almost every time yeah well, even if you're not into heavy stuff, you can get your 150 grain heads, and like you're not you're not really heavy, right? I mean, yeah, you could be you could be under 500 grains pretty easy if you, you wanted to. And and that's the thing. So I have even family members that are like, just make a 125 for us. Just make yeah. a 125. But the that's a big deal for us, right? Because yeah. our ferals now we'd have to go in and, and redo our ferals oh, and yeah. and uh, probably go shorter, maybe only one screw. Now you got that, that yeah that issue. Um, but I'm like. If I put them in your hand and you had your you were blindfolded, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I yeah. could set a one, you know, a yeah, one fifty, a one twenty five, yeah. and you wouldn't be able to. You couldn't tell me this is the you know the challenge. I could probably tell you because I handle them every day yeah. by the hundreds, you know. So I could tell you, but when you're talking grains like that, make the jump. Just try it. You yeah, know, just make that twenty five grains is isn't yeah. very much. Yeah, and like, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of. You can have arrows that weigh 15 grains different, like mm-hmm. when you're, you know what I mean? Just the, the shaft or whatever. And, yeah. you know, people don't even, I mean, there's, I mean, I weigh every shaft and kind of batch them and stuff, all that. But, like, some people, they wouldn't even know, you know, you wouldn't yeah. even know it. Now, like, I will say this. Like, my buddy that shoots ASA, he's kind of completely against the heavy stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, he's shooting a softball at 100 yards every time. <laughs> right. You know, so, like, yeah. he, he, like, he can tell, like, mm-hmm. whatever he has something um now are you talking from a competition standpoint or no, a hunting, hunting setup? standpoint is he okay but he also like like he would shoot a deer at 70 yards sure so, and he'd like and those guys like like i'm a, I get their point kind of mm-hmm. you know he's like um and i've heard levi morgan talk about this too he's like i've worked my whole life to become a great shot and you're gonna sit here and tell me some guy with a long bow that couldn't hit the you know a a a volleyball at 20 yards is going to sit here and tell me I can't shoot a deer at 70 yards. Right. You know, yeah, he's no, like, I, I, I hit a golf ball at 70 yards sure. every time, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then, you know, he has people on the internet telling him like, that's unethical. I'm like, you're shooting a longbow that you can't even, you can hit the, you know, you miss the target most of the time out of deer. And so I'm like, he, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I could, pr- I could probably stroke a, a pop can at 40 yards pretty consistently, yeah. but with a deer out there, especially with any size rack on it, with my yeah, nerves I know. and the deer moving, I just, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I could do it. Yeah. 30 oh, yards and it's my I, sweet spot yeah. for sure. I shot, I was at his, at my buddy's house 
over the summer and we were shooting at 80 you know yeah. And it was, it was kind of embarrassing shooting with him that far. You know? <laughs> but you're out there with a T-shirt on probably right now, a heavy coat, you know, and oh, the, yeah, during yeah, the yeah, rut yeah. stuff, right? You're oh, just a lot more but I'm loose just and limber. Like, for oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. He was just shooting, dropping oh, them right in. Yeah. I'd be like, you know, I'd have one that would like, because he had a little block out there um, that we were shooting at, you know, and he had a he had a, a bear target, and then there was a block we were shooting that was sitting in front of the bear target. And my first shot at 80, I like hit the butt of the bear, you know, <laughs> I was like, oh gosh, like, that's all right. You know? And, and then this, you know, he kind of coached me through a little bit and I got, got to be a little bit, uh, a better shot, but it's just unbelievable. Like those guys are just good. you know, yeah. it's like when you see someone that's like, does something professionally and you're like, oh, okay. Mm. There's different levels for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you know. I mean, the, the group at, you know, at 80 for him was, you know, wow. some of you with me, I could shoot at, you know, 30 or 40. Mm-hmm. Um, but since he was a, pretty much a, you know, toddler, he's had a bow in his hand. Mm-hmm. He's not stopped shooting it since then. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wish I was a better shot. I, I've, <laughs> I've, this year I want to, that's one of my goals is like to get a better, become a better bow shot. I used to be really good in, like when I was young, I felt like I was a better shot than I was now, and now I'm kind of like I need to, I need to figure it out. <laughs> um, I did, I mean I, I shot a lot of deer this year, but I made some shots that I wasn't real. So you had a great with. year as it was. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did a great year. Yeah, my that Wisconsin deer I shot, and we talked about this a little bit last night, or we had a show last night, which this will air later. But um, man, I I rushed that shot and hit that deer in the liver. You know, he was 15 yards. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have. You know, I shouldn't shouldn't do that from that close. You know. And then the Ohio buck, I was telling the guys last night, like, um, it came in real fast, and it was 32 yards, and I pulled back, and, and like, I was just freaking out. Like, I, my pin was going everywhere, and, I was, you know, my breathing wasn't controlled, and, and I stopped the deer. And if you watch the video, I kind of, like, I took a while from where I stopped it to, for the arrow to go off, and that was because I was just, like, you know, I was losing my crap, essentially. <laughs> and I... Uh, I at least got it together enough to, to, you know, put the arrow where it needed to be to kill it. But man, if, if like I'd been younger or not as experienced with those, in those situations, like, you know, I'd probably let that thing go and who knows where it gone, you <laughs> yep. know, but I want to get that under, I, you know, think about just have a, I don't know, some kind of process or something where I can slow down a little bit. I, I think does are great for that. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love to yeah. shoot does, especially early season. <laughs> yeah just you get those jitters out of the way yeah. and you get your confidence so that you know when that buck does present itself it's yeah. just it becomes second nature but yeah you know if you're a trophy hunter especially yeah. and that's all you shoot you know you might depending on where you live you might not get a deer every right. two or three years right so that's hard to have that second nature yeah well, you don't muscle memory just take over when you're not you know shooting other animals between there so i i love shooting does just for that reason yeah. oh i do too um i don't know i i have a you guys ever heard of Shot IQ? Like Joel Joel Turner, he's like a I've heard of it brain doctor. I yes, guess, for, for bows. But yep, I, I took that course um, a few years back when I started. A few years has been longer than that now. But when I started uh, really digging into traditional archery, I need to retake it and with the compound in mind. You know, mm. um, had you guys ever shot like back tension releases or any of that stuff? I've tried them. Yeah, yeah, I've tried them. I. I don't think I'd be confident enough to hunt with them, yeah. but I have target practice with them. Okay. Yep. See, my buddy shoots ASA. He's like, you need to go to the back tension. Yep. Like that's, um, and he, he shoots them all the time. 
Uh, I think most like, of those guys do. Yeah, but it's like a – and there's probably a reason for that, sure. you know. Um, I just need to – and I've, I've dabbled in it like kind of like – sounds like what you have. Like mm-hmm. I've shot it in the summertime, got comfortable with mm-hmm. it, and then like right before season I kind of like get nervous about mm-hmm. it for some reason and I go back to a little wrist rocket. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but, that's what I use. Yeah. I've tried thumb buttons too, and I just I punch them too bad. Same, I punch them bad. Um, under pressure, like I could shoot one okay if I don't not have pressure, but under pressure I seem to jerk at it a little bit. Um. Anyway, did you guys did you kill a deer this year? Then yep, I got uh, what a buck and two does. Okay, in Michigan. Yep, went out of state, but wasn't successful. Had a couple opportunities, but Kansas. Yep. Yep. You guys were uh, bragging on Kansas pretty hard. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were in different spots, but yeah, we've been well. You've been down there quite a few years. Yeah. This is only my second year going down there. Yeah. Um, I know you've talked about going down there next year. I, I think point. I heard you yeah, say I, I can go next year if I want. You know, I, I thought about it. Sure. Um, I got to choose between Iowa and Kansas, mm. so uh, not a bad choice. Either. Yeah, <laughs> well, you're right. So one, one's going to be one's going to be this year, and then one's going to be next year. So I just got to decide what I want to do. Yeah. It's probably going to be Iowa. I've mm-hmm. been kind of. I had my hopes set that I would draw Iowa last year and didn't, and so this year I should. Well, yeah, you should with yeah. six this year. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'll then, talk to you when we get when we get done with this about that after. Okay. <laughs> Try to steer you. <laughs> oh, I'll go next year, or not? You know, twenty four. I'll uh-huh. I'll go to Kansas then. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I had I was telling Shane I had never hunted out of state until uh, four years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, Michigan doesn't historically have big bucks. I think a lot of people know that, but right. it's it's where I've grown up. It's where my passion is, mm-hmm. and I never wanted to leave the state and be spoiled and lose my love for Michigan. Yeah. So I, I Shane just, was kind of filling <laughs> me in on this oh, att- was attitude you had. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I just totally resisted it. Um, I think it's for like a downhill skier. Right? Yeah. If you, you go out to Colorado and you come back to these little bunny hills and you're like, yeah. I used to love these. Now they're not fun yeah. anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> But I tagged out really early, four, four years ago, and went to Nebraska and just hunting different terrain, experiencing something new. It was just so much fun that I, I don't think I'll ever not go out of state now, at least once a year, <laughs> yeah. somewhere. Not yeah. always the same place, but right. yeah, I've definitely taken a liking out of state hunting for sure. Nebraska, I really like Nebraska. I went to Nebraska. Yep. Mm-hmm. I uh, I shot a buck in Nebraska this year. Yep. It was, um, like a thousand degrees out September, yeah, it was, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was ninety something when I whatever <laughs> I went to the stand. But uh I'll go back next year again. I like I kinda wanna shoot a nice buck in velvet sometime too. Yep. I don't know why. Everybody talks about how <laughs> gross it is and a pain in the butt, but just want to have one. Mm-hmm. The buck I shot just barely was out of velvet. I mean you, if the antlers are back there, you could there's like you can see where the veins are in his antlers still. Mm-hmm. So he must have just came out before I shot him, but um yeah, I'll probably I'll probably go back there next year again because it's nothing's going on, and I'm always so excited to get to hunting. You know, yeah, and they open September first. You know, yeah, and it's fairly cheap, and yeah. it's, it's not a draw state, so no. you can go there. Uh-uh, right, there's a decent amount of public there yep. too. Um, also, you, you know, you can go shoot a mule deer if you want to. There's mule deer there. I think um, you can buy a either or tag in Nebraska. Where I hunted, there wasn't mule deer. Yeah, but, same uh, with me. Um, More on the eastern, on the eastern side. side yeah. yeah. I actually drove out west the very first year I was there. I hunted there two years ago too. I drove out west and people everywhere. Oh. And on the way through, it's just kind of dumb luck. I stopped in eastern Nebraska, and I was just tired, you know. And I'm like, I'm gonna get out. And there was I just happened to look at my phone, and there was some public land 
just real close to where I stopped. I'm like, oh, I'm going to just buzz down there. And I'm like, oh, this looks really good. And I'm like, but there's no, I had in my mind, I wanted to ha have an opportunity of mule deer. And I, uh, I saw like a big track going across the road and this and that. And I'm like, okay. I said, well, if nothing works out out over there, maybe I'll buzz back here on the way home. Well, I got there, um, on the Western side of the state. And, uh, I was there two days early before season started and I pulled into a parking lot. I, you know, it was, uh, mountainous or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, I went scouting and I can't, when I got back to my truck, there was a, you know, a, a guy parked there. And I got to talking to him. He was from Texas, and he's like, "Yeah, my, me and my cousins are meeting here. Whoever it was, I can't remember now. And they're bringing their pickups." And I'm like, "Okay." And I just, you can just sleep in the parking lots there. I, I pitched a tent and mm -hmm. slept there. And the next morning, there's another truck there. And then, you know, I got to talking to those guys. I'm like, "Yeah, we got five guys coming." And I'm like, "Oh, oh my gosh!" So then I'm like, "I'm like, this isn't gonna work. There's too many people." And then I, I end up going to another spot and kind of the same story. So I ended up back in eastern Nebraska and loved it. Like. It was fine. Nobody was there. Nice. See another deer Had hunter. all to yourself. And... Yeah, because well, everybody wants to go west to shoot a mule deer. Um, Very cool. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I like shooting mule deer too. That's why I went there, and, and the you know that's why I went out west. But um, it's definitely gotten worse the last few years, really since COVID. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of people that mm -hmm. hunt out of state can attest to this. But it's it's definitely gotten busier and yeah. more difficult to to yeah. find some space, some elbow room. Yeah, on the public. Yeah something else that doesn't get talked about like there's always like a um i don't know if you want to call it a stereotype or like youtube gets blamed a lot for like the overcrowding now and all mm. that um something else that for some reason doesn't get talked about is like these apps like onyx and you know hunt stand and spartan forge all these apps that are like it makes it so much easier to find these and feel comfortable being there 100%. And, i agree and to me that <laughs> seems like what is like the that's the barrier that I think people, you know, and most guys aren't going to take the time to go buy a, go to the courthouse and buy a, you know, figure out where all this stuff is. And, yep. um, and now you just like, you know, you pay 30 bucks a year and you got all this information that's <laughs> highlighted on your phone for you. I go both ways on that because is it frustrating to drive through the night, 10, 12 hours, get to a spot and there's a bunch of vehicles there, yeah. you know? Yes. But at the same time, if those spots weren't being utilized by the public, I right. could see them being taken away as sure. well, right? So it's good sure. to see people out on the landscape utilizing those resources yep. so that they're not as likely to take it away from us. So yeah. I go both ways on it. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, like Dan, like his ultimate goal is like to educate people on how to hunt public land. So, you know, he's very uh, affirmative on like, this is a good thing. This has to happen. This 100%. is what I want, you know. Um have you guys followed the like Matt Ranella and Steve Ranella dilemma going on right now? Oh yeah. Have you seen that? Not much of it. He was filling me in. Dave was on the yeah. way down yeah. a little bit. It's super like it's interesting. It's very interesting. You know what though? Like I listened to a few podcasts. Now Matt has done. It's like something I try to keep in my mind. Like make sure I'm doing things for you know the right reasons. And I mean, he, I think Matt's thing is like more of a least and like, things are getting leased up and mm -hmm. all that um, because of all the popularity in hunting. I mean, I think, I think some of the stuff Matt talks about are, are a little bit, you know, not flawed, but I don't know what to, um, I don't know what the best word to, to say it, but he has some points. He does. You know? And you wouldn't know those two are brothers if you hear them each speak. No. Right. <laughs> Cause they've got some varying opinions. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, I was telling someone too, like, uh, 
he's been on the Meteor show a whole bunch of times. Yep. I do. I love those episodes because it was like <laughs> cool to see him, like a brothers doing something together. I don't know. It just was cool. Um, it's kind of a, kind of a shame a little bit, you know, that that's probably not going to, I would, I don't know, but I imagine, I imagine he's not going to go on a, it'd be kind of predicting of him to go on a, hunt on a TV show now, you know, <laughs> but anyways, it's a interesting dynamic. Um, we went on here for an hour now. Wow. Yeah. It goes fast. It goes it? really fast. <laughs> what, uh, how does, how do guys find you or what else do you guys have, have going on? You want to, you want to pitch? Yeah, no, thanks for asking. So, um, we, Shane does a great job around our Instagram page. So yeah. you can find us at Razor Broadheads on Instagram. Yep. Um, you got the Facebook page going now too, I believe. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get the YouTube channel going up this yeah. year as well. We have it, but there's nothing on it yet. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So all the main uh, social platforms. media platforms you'll mm-hmm. find us on. And then um, one thing we'd like to do for your listeners as well is this year. So if you'd like to buy Razor Broadheads, mm-hmm. we're at RazorBroadheads.com. Yep. And if you want to use a promo code before the echo, yep. we'll offer a 10% discount to all your listeners that just yep. punch and, in before the echo. Yep. And I'll throw all that stuff down in the description of this show for everybody okay. that wants to go over there. But I, I recommend them. Like I said, I, you guys, you guys uh, got me a, a handful of them this year to test them out, and I rec- I'd recommend them. That'd be my um, – and I've shot every broadhead known, known to man. <laughs> if, if, you know, if you're wanting to go with a single bevel, yep. sure. um, you know, cut on contact head, it, it's uh, – a good, great option. Um, thanks for coming down. Thanks very much, Josh. Yeah, Appreciate yeah. it. You Congratulations to all your success as well. Oh, your channel's yeah, blowing up, and we're, uh, we're kudos trying. to you. <laughs> really enjoy no. your content. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the support, guys. So, all right, everybody, have a good uh, rest of your day or whatever you're doing, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>